Hello and welcome to A Burkamp Wonderland. We are still an Arsenal podcast, irrespective of the results that we have seen in the last 48 hours. Uh, this week, uh, is, well, can I say, we've got Danny joining me today. I've got my speaker on as well, so I can hear myself talking back to myself. Absolute amateur hour in the face of a guest that we've got this week as well. But firstly, I'll introduce one of our regulars. It is Richard. Richard, how are you? I'm not too bad, my man. How is yourself? Yeah, not too bad. As you can see, only slightly flustered. But if it gets really bad, I'll start cracking into the drinks globe behind me. Sounds um, good. Is it, is, it um, actual, is it actual drinks in there? I mean, for everybody who is not on audio, there oh. is a full stocked drinks globe. Uh, Plymouth Gin is probably what you can see from the front. There's also Cointreau, a couple of bits of rum and some Polish vodka. And th there I thought I was being the Swiss one with my library behind me. But that, <laughs> is, know, right? that is outstanding. Top effort. Well, I can only hope that our next guest has got a smoking jacket on and has got a cigar in hand to just completely finish this off. Um, but I'll introduce him. I think people will know him by his Twitter app than anything else, which is at Gunnapunna, and it is JB. JB, how are you? Hello. I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I'm going to ask how you are again, because it feels like the right thing to say, even though we've just heard, but how are you? That's all right. I can try and think of another answer and do this. I'm getting used to doing kind of like morning stand-ups with my team at the moment, and it is repeating the same thing seven times. <laughs> but I am okay. Uh all the better for having you on and trying to do a podcast, which I'm still going through pre-season is probably the way I would say it with hosting after the little break we've had. Um, but let's get into things. Um, JB, let's kind of stick with you. Just kind of introduce yourself to the Burkamp Wonderland faithful. Um, why did you become an Arsenal fan or was it a choice? Uh, why did I? It wasn't a choice. It was a. It was a fortunate. Um, I, mean, I wasn't really born as one, but I was born into an Arsenal family. So, yeah, my uh, my grandfather ended up. Um, I say ended up. I guess yeah, grew up living a road away from Highbury. So that's where it started, and it got passed down through the generations um, to me, my cousins, the, the whole family. Um, there's one rogue United fan on my mum's side, but we'll let that go. Uh, so yeah, uh, essentially born and grew up North London, and thankfully uh, support the correct team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got the opposite issue with my grandfather's side um, of them being of the other North London side. Barnet. Um, yeah, that's the one. Uh, <laughs> you can't outtake. I mean, what's your <laughs> first Arsenal game as well and I think at the same time do you want to pick up who your kind of favourite Arsenal players are current and oh. all time if it's not both you're testing me now I was thinking because the second bit is quite hard not to be boring but anyway um, I'm going to be boring but first Arsenal game I went to um, I actually had the privilege of going to an Arsenal Bolton game I think 2001 uh, Arsenal drew one all with Bolton and I had the privilege of seeing goals from Michael Ricketts and Francis Jeffers in the same game, which I don't know how many people saw either of them score live. So you don't forget these things. Um, first Arsenal game I remember, actually, you guys helped me out with this because I was on another pod. And I I, um, I said I remembered watching an Arsenal-Wolves game in the 90s on my parent, in my parents' bedroom when I was a, 
a younger punter. Um, and apparently, and I think this t- this adds up, I think it was an FA Cup game, this was the 98 semi-final. So that is the first Arsenal game I ever remember watching. Uh, so there we go. My all-time favourite Arsenal player is unsurprisingly Thierry Henry, and I really wanted to be controversial, but I just kind of want to be right. Uh, and my current favourite player is a trickier one. Um, and it depends whether you talk about kind of stylistically or all-round package. I think all-round package, I'm going to have to probably land on on Tierney or Saka, um, which is, I just feel like all was too obvious. Um, and stylistically, I'm a, I'm a lover of the technical players. So, uh, bite your tongue. Um, but Ozil and Pepe are the types of players I like to watch. Um, you know, we have plenty of conversations about how they play and how they are playing. But, you know, if I could build a team, I want as many, many players like that as I can. So it's interesting you've all picked for current players, left-footed players. Is that something that, are you left-footed? That's going to be my quick question. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I have a stronger foot. To be honest, I'm uh, equally adept with either. Show off. <laughs> Humble brag. The best thing is, there's absolutely no way of you disproving that. Yeah, I know absolutely. Uh, but it was always interesting when someone picks. I think just left-footed players. If someone just picked all right-footed players, you wouldn't bat, bat an eyelid. Do you think they're better to watch? I'm I don't know why it feels like they are. I'm left-footed, so I don't necessarily get the... I don't want to say Messi hype, because it's clearly not hype. But mm. there's something that Messi does that I can comprehend how he's doing it, that people were like, mind-blown. Because I think it's about body shape. And then, yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo does something with his right foot, and I'm like, how have they done that? And people were like, well, it's obvious. He's just, you know, hit it with his foot. There is something about, a- like, the natural, you know, you, you defend more naturally on your stronger foot, and therefore, if you've got, you know... I guess it's a similar in boxing. Um, I was going to say all all left-footed players are oh, just a bit more aesthetically pleasing. And then I remembered that in recent years, we've had Kolasinac and Podolski at Arsenal. So I don't know. I don't know. They're either that or they've got a thunder bastard. That's the, there's no middle ground with a left-footer. Well, they all just really? get pigeonholed. Like if you're the, you know, if you're like a youth team, there's going to be one or two left-footed players. So they all end up playing left-back or left-wing. Um, and then and, and maybe like during their careers, they move around a bit, but. But maybe it's that. Maybe all the left-footed players just go through a funnel and end up playing the same place. Yeah, all all of them will be given the stigma of having a cultured left foot. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, we're getting into a different podcast there if we're going to go through cliches. Yeah, Another left-footed player who played for Arsenal. Oh, God. There we go. Now, that's why you're going to punter. Because of the the wit and dry humour for that one there. Um, Should we try and go through the Liverpool game? Um, I've got quite, I don't know, I'm blinded by the referee's problems on this, Richard. Um, Could you kind of bring some more semblance to it rather than I just go on a rant about Mane's elbow and Jota's handball? Um, Yeah, I mean... (sighs) To be fair, like I said, that Liverpool side, that they were at the top of their game against us. Um, one of the things that struck me in that game was the the way, the quickness in which they moved the ball around. It was literally control the ball, pass it off. Very little idling on the ball or looking up for a pass. As soon as they received it, it was gone. It was very, very quick. Um, they were absolutely 
phenomenal. It was one of the most impressive performances I've seen um, from an opposition against Arsenal in 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 quite a while. Like I said the intensity and speed of their press and movement off the ball and stuff like that, the aggressiveness, it was just absolutely outstanding. I think, <clears throat> I think the ref did have an absolute shocker. And like, as I said on the live show after the game, I was absolutely spitting blood at some of the decisions the referee was making. But the referee's poor performance was not why we lost that game. That Liverpool were just unfortunately better than us. That that, that I, I was so impressed with that Liverpool performance. I really, really was. Mm, yeah, Jamie, did you find any performances in there that <clears throat> excuse me that we could take away as positive? And um, what did Liverpool do to us to kind of hold us back and basically shackle us so well? Yeah, look, I think I think I completely agree with Richard, right? Um, and I think we have to be sensible with our expectations now kind of for the season, but also going into a game against uh, pretty much the best side in Europe, right? Um, Liverpool will beat much better teams than us convincingly this season. Um, you know, with context, that's the third time in like five months we've played this Liverpool team. We've used the same system three times. We've only lost, yesterday was the first time we lost. Um, so, yeah, look, I think with context, that's that's not awful. Um, and, and the flip side is you could see that they probably had the experience of of watching us use this system under Arteta for a few months now as well. And therefore they came out um, knowing what to expect. They came out knowing that we'd want to play down the left and they really went after us in the build-up aggressively. Um, they forced us just to go long. Um, they made that ball to Aubameyang really difficult. They countered our press. I think we did try to press them a bit. Uh, we sat in shape, but we tried to press them a bit. And every time we did it, they just got out of it with a long diagonal. Um, they aggressively hit uh, Salah and Mane to feet. Uh, and I don't think we had a response to that. But, you know, that's that's where we are. I think it, there are a lot of players who, um, you know, didn't look great yesterday. Uh, I, th- I thought Holding looked quite shaky on the ball at times. I thought Leno looked a bit shaky on the ball with the context that they were being pressed to pieces. Um, and I think El Elneny... You know, we see his limitations in that he didn't do anything special with the ball and he's often kind of just out of the way without it. And I think Jacka really struggled and he's not that comfortable under extreme pressure. But he he also, you know, when you have Ceballos next to him, you can't press Jacka as much as they did because there's another threat. And I think having Elneny in the team allows the opposition to kind of go hard on Jacka. So there were individual weaknesses exposed. Um, I don't really blame anyone. I think we just played a better a better opponent um, and I agree like I haven't seen Liverpool play that well in a while they were at the top of their game I think they had a point to prove you can't expect us to beat them every time we play them and I don't think we embarrassed ourselves so so yeah look, it was a tough game against a better team and they beat us comfortably having said that uh, and I don't want to blame the ref because it sounds awful and petty like they won fair and square I do think if Mane gets sent off in the second minute, it's a different game. Like it's hard to escape that, um, but it didn't happen. Yeah, I think even down to the minutiae of Fabinho not getting picked up on the small little fouls, or that weren't even called as fouls necessarily. I think just the way they broke up, broke up any chance of us making promising attacks was where a lot of my vitriol against the referee went. 
Um, but let's talk about things that we had in our own wheelhouse that we could control and talk about, I think in the running order, I've said Lacazette from zero to zero. And that's a bit of a tongue in cheek about how he is perceived by, I would say, coming to the majority of our fan base now, especially those on Twitter for his performances that we've seen from Lacazette across since I'd say Emery's second season. I'll come straight back to you, JB, on this. And what's your thoughts on Lacazette? And do you feel like the um, criticism that he has received after missing, I say only one of those chances, because I'm pretty sure the other one he's offside anyway, Still is kind it. of at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm still... Nothing personal, I'm just feeling a bit petty after the game still. Um, what are my thoughts? I, I think he's fine. Um, he's not an elite, you know, he's not a world-level striker. He's he's not the, the kind of player who's going to get you 20, 30 league goals in a season. Um, and we're clearly using him for a very functional role. What we're seeing is the limitations, which is, you know, he, he does a lot of work... Um, he does a lot of work outside the box, a lot of work off the ball and then struggles to get into the most dangerous areas and, and um, be explosive in those areas. I wouldn't say convert, right? Cause I think he actually converts reasonably well. Um, like he shifts the ball well, gets shots off. Well, he's just not explosive. Like he's not an athlete. Um, and, I, and I think we saw that with the chance he missed where his first touch was just awful. Like they were debating the XG and I think the XG of it was like 0.4. Um, but I think it's an easier chance if he doesn't balls up the first touch. So look, I, 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 it looks like we're not going to be moving him on. I'd love to move him on and, and get someone who is just a much more natural goal threat through the middle um, or just a little more mobile. Uh, it looks like we're kind of stuck with him. I, he's been a confusing player throughout his time at Arsenal because I think he's he wasn't the player I thought we were getting. I thought we were getting a bit more of a pacey kind of number nine um, from what we've seen, he's always been a bit of a second striker and I think he's, he needs people around him to be at his best. So look, I, I respect the guy for, he's clearly working his arse off for the team and, and I admire that. I don't think he's the type of player we need there. I also don't think he's the level we need there, especially to kick on. So, you know, if we could hashtag BLGE, Bin Lacker, get Edouard, um, or, or a similar kind of multifunctional modern striker, I'd go for it. Clearly, the midfield's the priority, so I don't think that'll happen imminently. But um, yeah, look, I don't. Again, I don't really hold any personal grudges against the guy, but he, he's. Uh, I think we need an upgrade. Yeah, and Rich, I think. Well, come in and put what my thoughts are a little bit on Lacker, and then pass it over to you. I think he's in a little bit of a similar situation like we've got with Mustafi. If he has a decent season with us, he could be playing for a new contract. Do you think that Backer could achieve that necessarily with us? He's got two years left on his deal now. He is in that very much, if we listened to Don Raul at that time, that that's the point and when you look to move a player on or get him to sign a new deal. Yeah, it's a difficult one um, with him because I, so I, I agree with uh, what um, JB was saying. Like the, He's not what I thought we were getting. Uh, when we signed him and he is working his absolute socks off, but I, I don't think he's capable of really excelling in what we're asking him to do. Like he's, he's not a hold him up forward, uh, center forward. He's, he's not a big 
muscular um, uh, centre forward number nine who's who's going to hold the ball up re- really really well. He can do it sometimes, and you know every now and again he can, he can play a ball out like you know in he did it I think in the um, in the semi final against Man City and he did it again last night in the lead up to uh, uh, the other night in the lead up to the goal. Xhaka played the ball into him and he adjusted his body really really well to play the ball into the path of of um Maitland Niles to then mm. set up the goal but he's just he's not he's 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 not quite quick enough he's not quite strong enough he's not quite uh, tall enough to be an aerial threat kind of thing i think i think he needs a different system to get the best out of him um you know th- you know that being said what he's he's got what is it three goals in three games mm. something like that so you know <clears throat> He's not doing too badly, I guess. Um, I, I think had we not um, had we not have needed to upgrade our midfield so eagerly, I think he would have been gone this this summer. Um, mm-hmm. I think we would have shipped him out but again, like someone like Edouard, um, someone who is a a, a bit more um, physical. And, and can bring other players into uh, into the game and stuff like that. Um, I, I he's going to have to have something phenomenal to get another contract. I would say. I, th- mm. I think something phenomenal is going to have to happen for him. Hey, I hope it happens because if you know, say if if, he, if you know it solves a problem, we don't have to buy another player kind of thing. But yeah, I I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think next summer he he'll 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 be one to to be moved on. Mm. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. I think on that one, um, and and that's have, not bit me, and that's yeah. not me to try and be flippant or disrespectful to the guy. He, uh, like I say, he he can only do what he can do. It's you know, it's it's you're asking him to do something that he's not particularly built for or has really ever played in his his career kind of thing mm-hmm. from what i could gather so and he's doing the best he can like so you can see like his he, he's he always has to come off after like 70 odd minutes because the guy runs himself into the ground for us so that's not me like having a pop at him or saying he's shit or he's saying get rid of the bum or anything like that it's you know it's not that at all i just i think f- for us to progress i think we need something different from him mm-hmm yeah, uh, I think I completely agree. And what I think will come on to like, the midfield conundrum and how that could help the likes of Lacazette. But this, we, we've spoken about, you know, the one Liverpool game we've got in what, this <laughs> week. Let's talk about the other one. Um, let's go quickly into this. Uh, JB, do you expect to see wholesale changes from Arteta on this one? We, we'll ignore what Klopp may or may not do the next game let's concentrate on us do you see Arteta ringing the changes yeah I mean I think uh, I think if he could make 11 changes he would I, I you know the last thing I want to see is us messing up the the Sheffield United game on the weekend because we've done something silly tomorrow night um, and to be honest knowing Liverpool I wouldn't be surprised if Klopp sent out his like nephew to manage the game and, and a load of under 12s. I think they tried to throw the game against us last year, didn't they? And we ended up, you know, Did, was, didn't they, didn't they put the reserve um, coach out to do the press conference? Yeah. I think Pep, Pep Linders or whatever his name is took that. And unfortunately we uh, also put Unai Emery out to, to take charge of the match, which was probably the, our main undoing there. But yeah, look, I, th- I think Eddie, will, you know, we'll get Eddie. I think good game time for Pepe. Uh, you'll get Saka playing. It's it's interesting, right? We've actually got 
I was thinking about this yesterday. We've got good depth. Uh, the problem is, like, you know, if you put out two 11s, the kind of quality level is pretty much the same across 20 of them. Mm. It's not like we have, like, a clear first team and then a drop-off. We've got a load of players who are all pretty good, not enough players who are great, um, and then not enough players who are obviously squad players. So I think we need to sort that balance out. But it does mean that we can rotate almost an entire eleven, assuming Cedric actually exists, and uh, and go for it. Um, clearly, they're going to be playing like Origi, Elliot, Shakiri, all that lot. So, so yeah, I, I'd expect as close to eleven changes as Arteta can get away with. We might even see our new amazing goalkeeper. Let's hope so. The Icelandic legend. Uh, but at least, Rich, now we can now do thunderclaps when yeah, the Emirates. Looking forward uh, to that. Absolutely. Do you expect anything different from Liverpool? I think uh, other than I think the post-game show is just me on my own at the moment. But uh, <laughs> yeah, is there anything else? You want to add to what you expect from Liverpool? No, I, th- I, th- I think he'll he'll completely ring in the changes. He do- Klopp doesn't care about the the League Cup. Like I say, you'll you'll see the Origi's, the Shakiri's, the the um, Elliots and stuff like that uh, come into the squad. But I mean, well, we've you know, <clears throat> I expect Arteta to to play a similar sort of team to um, what he did against Leicester. So like, you know, you know, we had. I don't know if he'll put the, the new goalkeeper in, probably. I can't see why not. But against Leicester, we had Holding, Luis and Kolasinac um, as the back three. We had Maitland-Niles, El Nene, Joe Willock and Saka across the middle. And then Pepe, Eddie and Nelson, uh, Reese Nelson. I, I can't – I would imagine that it's going to be mm. pretty similar mm. to that. Probably maybe one of the defenders swap out and bring in Gabriel because he didn't, he didn't play against um, – uh, against uh, Liverpool and maybe I don't know. Hopefully we will see a de- uh, you know a proper debut for for Saliba as well if he's um, if he's all okay. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's going to risk putting in a Bamiang and stuff like that when we got we got um, uh, Sheffield United like three days four days later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah we play Sheffield United on Sunday afternoon and mm. I very nearly called the game against Liverpool the second leg. Uh, when you were struggling to remember who we just played, because it really does feel like that, uh, playing them so quickly back to back. Um, before we uh, jump into that Sheffield United game, quick shout into the chat box as well. I can see there's a load of conversation going in on there. Uh, Femi has informed me that he will be joining me on Sunday for the Sheffield United game. So if anybody wants to come watch that, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. But if you can just pop in, give us a little thumbs up on the YouTube, or you can watch us on Twitch. I think we now stream out to there. Facebook Live, I think we're doing streams out there as well. Danny will correct me if I'm wrong, but I won't see his chat. And yeah, uh, we've even got a Discord channel as well, kids. Um, I really do feel like the Steve Buscemi meme now of that. <laughs> it's coming up to... 20 odd days before I turn 30. So there's a lot of things like that. That's like, I'm now over the hill. That's it. I'm not getting an England call up. I'm almost assured of that now that I'm over the hill. People in football manager will be selling me off. And I think Danny's looked to where he can. Uh, Goalkeepers only start to come into their prime years. I uh, post 30. You've still got some to. That's true. But I have got 
zero hand-eye coordination to the point yeah. that these glasses are very much needed. Um, <laughs> uh, Femi's told me that, no, he's actually doing the Liverpool game. Uh, I'm not doing the Liverpool game, Femi. It's too late. I'm going to go to bed at that time. Um, but, yeah, let's just go into Sheffield United uh, and a little preview. I thought Danny would grab me some stats and he's obviously just left and not sent them to me. But uh, I'm trying to think of the last time we played them was just after the lockdown, wasn't it? Yeah, Uh, FA Cup game, right? FA Mm. Cup game, Danny Ceballos just getting it um, yeah, near the death. I'll come straight into with you, JB, on this one. Uh, Sheffield United, do you think there's a bit of a... I think the fact that the crowd isn't there, do you think that helps us in this instance with them or have they got one of those? I know you're a lover of things like the XG, uh, <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, chain build-ups and all the passing stats. I have watched a bit of Sheffield United. And I do like the way they do their build-up play at the moment. And it looks like they're just, you know, need a better striker and they could punish a team like a, like us. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I, I'm i not usually confident ahead of games, so I'm slightly worried about saying this, but I did get a sense that, uh, not second se- uh, season syndrome, but Sheffield United did start to get a bit found out. I think when they came into the league, um, everyone was just blown away by this whole roaming centre-backs thing they had going on. Um, the individual kind of player quality in that team wasn't amazing, uh, and especially post-lockdown, I think they struggled a bit. Henderson was clearly really good for them. Uh, and this year, they've gone and bought themselves uh, a goalkeeper who, I don't know if he's got no arms or kind of T-Rex-type arms. Ramsdale's like, he's just not very good. He doesn't really reach anything. Um, kind of like Pickford a bit. So I don't think they're the team they were last year, for sure. Um, they've struggled early on. Uh, I, I do feel like... They're the type of team we generally struggle against because they are reasonably solid defensively still, and I and I don't know what we don't know what you can do yet with the ball against the deep block. So that'll be interesting to see. I, I'm I'm still reasonably confident, and especially given we I think we outplayed them quite comfortably in the FA Cup from memory, but that could genuinely just be me rose tinted glasses because we won. So so yeah, I'm 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 pretty confident. I think. Again, definitely make sure we just rest people tomorrow night and then go hard at them on the weekend. But but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so from memory, uh, Rich, I think that was... I think we allowed McGoldrick to have his first goal of the season uh, when we played them. Uh, yeah, if, 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 if ever you're on a drought or you need a win or you come and play Arsenal, we'll, um, we'll help you out. Um, yeah, I think from I think I remember it similarly to to JB in the fact that we we mainly outplayed them and then we kind of tired late in the second half. They got an equaliser and then at the death, Sabaya scored the um, uh, the winner. But I, I don't think they've been on the greatest of form since lockdown. Um, I think they've lost all three games. Um, uh, of the season, I think, and I don't I don't even think they've scored a goal. Um, after I was looking at um, uh, things in the league this year, no, not the greatest one, but it's it's perfect to to play us, isn't it? It's it's always the um, it's always the way. Um, 
it'd be interesting to see, let's say, see what we do uh, against them. I one of the players who worries me in their side is um, McBurney. Mm. Uh, whenever he comes on, he's that type of rough, tough, big, tall git who who will absolutely buffet our um, our central defenders all over the place. Um, I, I watched them the other day, and it, when he came on and they went more direct, they absolutely changed what they were doing. They, 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 they their upturn and 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 ability to hold on to the ball was was much much better when he came on. So hopefully he at least doesn't start or doesn't uh, play against us. But I I think. We need to be confident. We need to be bold, and we need to we need to start taking these teams apart. I know it don't seem a bit arrogant and a bit what's it called, but we need to start imposing our will on on teams like Sheffield United, who I think massively punched above their weight for the first part of of, of last season. Mm. Um, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see like if he. I imagine he'll still. I, I can't really see him changing the formation too much, but. Because um, they they play they play three at the back and five in midfield with two up top, and I just again I just I I, I don't want us our midfield to get overrun uh, by being outnumbered. Um, I, I want us to be able to dictate play, and and <clears throat> you know have the creativity and boldness to to uh, see to to take on these teams. We're better than this. We're than well we should be better than than Sheffield United and mm-hmm. you know and take them apart but yeah well um, we'll see what happens uh, come Sunday you mentioned about the fact that they're going to more or less pad out that midfield with five across the middle three at the back as well how are there any changes you'd make to what you would say is the normal lineup we've seen under Arteta in the three games or four games we've seen uh, this season to help kind of combat that because you have seen a struggle to break teams down uh, unless they're Fulham, of course. Hmm. Uh, but, Rich, but I mean, e- even that, even that wasn't the the easiest cakewalk um, in the world. I, I think we need an extra body um, in midfield. Um, the only the only caveat and problem with that is David Louise is not the best in a two. Um, he's not a great one-on-one uh, defender. He, he, you know, he gets he gets done for pace and uh, uh, and stuff like that. So it's it's you know do 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 you risk it? Do you do you go uh, and and um, uh, try and have uh, just go forward about it and put that extra person in midfield? You know, have mm. have Xhaka and um, and El Nenny as your more you know water carrier central players and allow. Uh, Sabios, who looked really strong in his cameo uh, on at Liverpool, he, he created two or three really, really good chances for Lacazette. Allow him a little bit more license and a little bit more freedom in midfield. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how Arteta is going to play. If it's going to be too early for him, if he's waiting for our fantastic new double signing of Partey and Oar, but. Uh, you know, I don't. I, 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 I would. I would imagine the the formation is going to be similar um, with the three at the back, just because I, I don't think the the defenders are ready yet, and I don't think our midfield definitely isn't ready yet. What would yeah, you do, Josh? Uh... Oh, go on, Josh. 
I think you're on mute, Josh. I am. There we go. There we go. What can I say? It's not like I wear a headset for most of my working day either and know how to turn it on and off in terms of mute. But uh, what I would do for the midfield is kind of difficult because I don't think we've got the overall personnel in the squad to necessarily go with a reliable three in midfield. I think the Xhaka Elneny and Ceballos doesn't necessarily work for me. I think it might, I think you could get away with it in certain games, mm. but I don't think Sheffield United is one of them. Uh, yeah, sorry, JB. It's, it's a fiddly one, right? Like, I, I think, first of all, uh, until let's call them proper midfielders arrive, this is, uh, this is the system we're going to be playing. Um, it's not, you know, it's not your conventional back three. It's very much a kind of five when we defend and a more of a four three two one or a four three three when when we have the ball. Um, and I think you can tinker with that a bit. So for example, I would, you know, if you're looking to break down a team, I think Saka instead of Maitland Niles makes sense because Saka's a bit more of a lock picker. Um, he can also overlap down the left. I think Maitland Niles has tried a few, you know, we've seen a few times in recent games, he can get, he, he'll get that overlap in and then, you know, his left foot isn't amazing. And he's, he's attempting those crosses, which is fair, fair play to him, but he's not, He's not Saka. So I think Saka in that wing-back central midfield role makes sense. Um, the other thing, to Rich's point, I think, you know, if I was looking at all our defenders from what I've seen this season and, and I was worried about McBurney, I would be tempted to use Gabriel in some capacity. He's looked really tough and he's clearly got the height that a lot of our other players don't have. The issue there is... It looks like Tierney's the only one who can play that left of the three because you end up playing left back a lot. And I can't see Arteta dropping David Luiz. And I can't see David Luiz or Gabriel playing on the right of the three, which basically means right now, you've basically got Gabriel and Luiz competing for that middle of the three spot. And I think you've got Holding, Saliba and Mustafi, if they're all fit, competing for the right of the three, um, which basically means we're kind of stuck if you want to play Louise, it's going to be holding Louise Tierney until something drastic happens. So I think that's what we'll see. Uh, we will probably yeah, I agree. We'll have Sabios Jacker. I would like to see Saka used, um, but I don't know. And then, and then, yeah, look, if Eddie has a great game tomorrow night, maybe he gets the nod on the weekend. Yeah. I said Saka is the player that I think we missed against Liverpool as well because of how quiet Aubameyang, or I felt Aubameyang was in that game. I think I Having, saw, it's three, it's, I think he's won three games in a row against Liverpool now without a shot, Aubameyang. Yeah, and that just tells you, well, there's two ways to look at it. Either Liverpool are doing a great job at shutting him out of the game, or we're not doing a good enough job getting him into the game. Mm, I, um, I would say, ideally, he would be having shots. Yeah, absolutely. It's even from the point of just having a shot, I mean, Xhaka can have a shot in a game because no one will close him down for 35 yards and he can hit one. And that's at least one on the board from in terms of, you know, stat padding point of view. So <laughs> I think Aubameyang can or should have had shots against us. And I think one of the things that wasn't helping us was, as you say, with Maitland-Niles on the kind of that half space, because he's right-footed, he can't necessarily always play that ball out as quickly down the inside of uh, the centre-back and on the correct side of the wing back that's chasing back, mm -hmm. you kind of want to stick it 
it, it's the ball that a left-footed player can play on that side and a right-footed player can play on the right-hand side. I think everybody knows, a bit like I'd say the handball rule, everybody knows what handball is, but you can't necessarily put it in words mm-hmm. probably in a succinct way. But yeah, um, I think Saka is the big one that we missed from Liverpool. I was kind of surprised we didn't see him come in in that game as well. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, like I'm generally of the mind that if you're, if you're playing more direct uh, and I know a lot of managers go against this, but I'm going to stick with it because it's, it's just, this is the JB view of football. Um, if you're playing more direct, I think you want wingers on their natural sides because you, you know, you need to be combining and whatever if they're, if they're kind of inverted, if you want that break, like we got lucky with our goal, but if that's a left footed player doing what Maitland Niles does, there's an easy run and ball across, uh, you know, often the players are much more isolated playing in bigger spaces. I'd rather have a right footer on the right, a left footer on the left and just have that natural way of scoring. So I completely agree with you. If you're, if you're looking to, to counter teams, having Saka on the left makes such a difference. I, I, I think that, I think the idea of having Maitland Niles against Liverpool was that um, for when Salah cuts in on his right, he's coming into Maitland Niles' stronger foot. Mm-hmm. I think that was more more the idea of having uh, having Maitland-Niles in in that position uh, against Liverpool. Completely, and he did it brilliantly last season. He did it. I mean, he shut Mares down in the FA Cup. He shut Salah mm. down at the Community Shield. He's a brilliant one-on-one defender. Um, and it's the balance question, right? It's like which way do you want to go? Um, do you want to you know do you want to have the counter-attacking threat more, or do you want to just lock down their star player? Yeah. Sorry, say again. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't know. I lost that last bit. It was the balance, right? It's like, do you want to lock down their star player? Do you go for Maitland-Niles to just go one mm. on Salah? Or do you want the attacking threat um, and just worry them a bit more by having Saka there? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's that difficult balance, isn't it? It's, it's you know, it, what do you favour? Sometimes I guess you just got to pick, pick and choose in what you're, what you're going to get. Are we, go, are, were we going to be more likely to for Saka to impose himself against Liverpool or need uh, uh, Maitland-Niles to, to, to shut down Salah. Um, I agree with you guys. I, I think, I think Saka coming in against Sheffield United would be, you know, a very, a, a good thing. So you saw those, those two key passes he played uh, for both of the goals um, against, uh, was it West Ham? Yeah. You know, you just, just the ability that the 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 guy's got. I mean, he, he didn't have the greatest games in the world, but he, those those two lock picking passes were pivotal. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's the as we've kind of seen that the classic Arteta goal is all about being played down that left hand side. Tierney starting the move with his left foot into someone else like Saka, who's then playing in Abamyang into that right place. It's, that ball is generally kind of left footer into Jacker or uh, Asaka, who's then playing in perfectly into that correct space for uh, Abamyang to get in behind. And I think where we've got the opportunity to take the game and be on the front foot, I think we should totally be going with Saka. I think that's where, if we'd say three seasons ago, if we had, you know, Wenger still at the, the helm, I think we'd probably see a Saka start that Liverpool game over a Maitland-Niles because of the way he wants to be kind of positive. Whereas we've got that nice balance with Arteta who isn't as pragmatic as Emery, should we say? Not that I don't think anybody is as pragmatic as Emery. <laughs> Maybe Tony Poulis, but uh, 
it's difficult on that one. Um, I say I have spotted somebody sneaking in to our chat box as well, who I think in this parish we have not seen for many a year, and that is FK, um, someone I think we're all familiar with. And FK, the man of the chocolate voice, uh, chocolate voice. He is. I'm going to call him out. FK, you need to come on this podcast. Danny will strap you down and not in a good way to make sure you're back on because I think everybody would like to hear your dulcet tones again. Um, I'm yeah. taking full credit for his return. Oh, if if you're the Meza Ozil to the name a striker that he's passed to and they've scored that resulting chance in the last two seasons to his FK, then yeah, we're absolutely, yeah, we'll love that for him to come I'll back take on. It. I'll take it. Um, I think probably because the last time I saw him was with Jason Davies and that's probably enough reason to have put, been put off coming back on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, let's go through some listeners' questions. Um, we did get some decent questions in this time. You, I don't want to call you freeloading scumbag because I think it would be nice to uh, be nice to you for once because I gave you a bit of a rollicking listeners and you have pulled through and given us some good questions. So first one, I'm now going to say it's from our very own John Welsh. So it's a bit of a cheat, that one. I don't mean John. He doesn't count as a listener. He's part of us. Um, we discussed this a little earlier. Uh, Rich, I'll come to you on this one. Do you think we could get through the season? I imagine hitting the goals we need to hit, you know, trying to get into Champions League, trying to get, you know, at least pushing for European spots if we sold Lacazette to fund midfield purchases and didn't replace him? Ooh, um, that's a lot of uh, lot of pressure on on young Inketia. Um because I don't, I don't think. Because then, as backup, what you're going to have? What maybe Balogun until Martinelli gets uh, fit? Because I don't think Arteta likes having uh, Aubameyang down the middle. Um, so I, I kind of s- would say no. I see what he's saying in the sense of you know, if we, if we, if we could get good money for for Laka to to get both of our midfield targets. You know, if he's if he's not exactly firing on all cylinders and doing great for us, then why not? But I think that that'd be a lot of pressure to put on um, uh, Inketia, um, who you know he's not exactly established um, uh, completely kind of thing. He still goes missing every every now and again in games. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I, I would. I would probably say a no, no, no to that. Uh, I, w- I would say we'd need to have at least some someone else to do um, to do that job instead of him. I, th- I think that would be very, very difficult because I don't think, like I said, I don't think Abamian can do what Arteta wants that central striker to do, as in play with his back to goal, hold up the ball, link up with others. He's much more of of a off the the shoulder. Uh, player, you know, making runs and things like that. So, um, yeah, sorry, John, I'm going to say no. <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, Jamie, I'm going to ask you a question where if you've been looking at the chat, it's not going to be in the same order as it's been answered because I want to tee you up for something. Uh, you could probably work out what it's going to be based <laughs> on uh, the chat we were having earlier. But, uh, it's oh, from, you had to, didn't you? Yeah, it's from Carrie Tannen, and it wouldn't be a miss 
if I didn't tee you up and because I think it's a view that I've not heard on many podcasts at all. Uh, on could you swap? Ask uh, could Arsenal swap Torreira and Lacazette to bring in Thomas Partey, one of the only two players we've been linked with all summer. It feels. Um, and yeah, would you do it for? All right. Uh, that's the question. I mean, could yeah. we? Yes. Yes, yes we yeah, could. <laughs> <laughs> Would I do it? Yeah. Um, no. No, I wouldn't. Um, I do think there is clearly something to be done there uh, in terms of, you know, clearly we've been trying to sell Torreira. He wants to leave. Um, I know I know secondhand via Torreira that... Um, via, anyway, someone who spoke to him basically playing as advanced as Emery wanted him to messed with him quite a lot. Um, and he, you know, imagine you're 22 years old, moved to a new country to play for a, a big club, um, underperforming big club, but a big club. And the manager in a dysfunctional system, you're like, a, you know, a tough, tough tackling ball winning scrapper. And the manager wants you to play hard with the pitch, press, win the ball, get goals and assists, all the rest. And imagine whilst you're doing that, you've got one of the club's biggest ever signings and one of the best number 10s of the last 10 years uh, sulking on the bench because he's not playing and you are. Now, I can understand what that would do to a 22-year-old player. Um, and I think there's, you know, we're still seeing the, the ramifications of that. I think Torreira's a good player. I don't think he suits what Arteta wants to do. And it makes sense for him to leave. Um, anyway, back to the question. Um I feel like what you really asked me there is 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 a party question, isn't it? That's what you really. I can see you smirking. I, I might I might have teased that one, yeah, to kind of work out whether or not you can see you smirking. Uh, it's it's a given. Uh, it's a do given. you know? I might swap Lacazette for party, but I think the bigger question here is: Would I pay fifty million euros cash for Thomas Party? And the answer to that is no, right? Um, and it's it, it's a few reasons really. It's um. We've seen how tight cash is at Arsenal this summer, right? And whatever we are bidding or we're not bidding for our, clearly it's a bit of a struggle getting the money together to go and just buy him, right? And maybe we're playing games. But let's let's take it as read that there is not hundreds of millions of cash sitting around at the Emirates. Um, if you are in that financial position, you need to be very sensible with how you spend your money. And you can't afford to get it wrong. So is it sensible to go and put 50 million cash, right? And, and you know, buying party for 50 is different from buying hour for 45 because, you know, most transfers are installments and release clauses are straight outright buys. Um, on a 27-year-old midfielder who uh, plays for a team that is a bit weird, a good team, Atletico are a good team, but they play weird football. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily assume because someone looks good in their team, they'd be great in the Premier League or for Arsenal, right? Um, is that a good idea? Well, I would say it may be a good idea if that player is is absolutely guaranteed to be transformative, won't burn you by kind of peaking now, probably post-peak. You won't, you know, you won't be absorbing a five-year, 200 grand a week contract where at age 30, you're like, shit, it's Socrates or Ozil or whoever all over again. Um, so you basically need to believe that that party is a generational talent of a midfielder who will transform us as a football club 
won't drop in the next four years and will guarantee us Champions League football. And nothing anyone I trust has said suggests that he is that player. Now, I might be wrong, but I think that's a huge gamble. And the downsides for Arsenal of dropping 50 million euros is, is enormous. So, and I'm also not convinced he's exactly the type of player we need, right? I, for me, our who plays higher up the pitch and links kind of more naturally to attack, is is a nicer fit because I think we're struggling to create chances as a team right now. So, if you could offer me party at 30 million, maybe I'd bite. Clearly, it still depends on the wages. And if you could do something smart that involves Torreira going the other way, maybe I'd bite. Um, but the, the, the opinion that I've got a lovely amount of abuse from some really nice people on the internet for saying is I wouldn't drop 50 million euros cash for Thomas party. And I, I stand by that. Yeah. And that's, that's fair enough. I think it's one of those that I kind of wanted to say, get you to like vocalize it here as well, because there's only so much you can put into 240 characters as well, that there is a lot more to the argument than perhaps a single tweet that someone's seen. And then, gone off it gone off mm. one uh and i think that's yeah one of the reasons why i wanted to kind of set you <laughs> up for it where's that kind of thing and i kind of agree with you on certain points that he is he's from everything some people are telling me he is totally the key that unlocks us being able to play three in midfield the problem is i don't think he's the only key that's out there mm that could mm. unlock that for us. Problem is, I haven't watched enough football at the moment to go and think, oh, it's uh, the guy at Lille, Sangari, Sangari at Lille or Toulouse? It's one of the two. Um, I think it's just got, one of them's just, I think it's him. Sangari just yeah. went to PSV, didn't he? He went to PSV, so that's the one from Toulouse. And it was the guy we were linked at from Lille as well. And I, 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 think, the, need, I think the but, problem yeah. is that Partey isn't, the single key that we need, mm. he would be, <clears throat> he would be part, he would be one part half a, of the key. Yeah. He, he mm. needs part A to a part B. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, a, and I see what JB's saying. That's a lot of 50 million in one hit is a lot of money to drop on someone who only partially fixes the midfield. I, I personally, I would, I, I, big fan of Partey I like him I I hope we uh, I would like for us to sign him but I I completely understand what what um what Jerry is saying that's uh, that is a lot of money to drop in one go on a player who only half fixes the midfield yeah and and I think you know if I said if you said to me what situation would you need to be in to go out and and do a transfer like that I think you need to be on the cusp of something big so like if you look at Van Dyke with Liverpool, if they bought him in, you know, if they dropped 70 million on a centre-back in 2016, that would not have been sensible because they were, you know, they just needed to get into the Champions League. They had a whole load of other problems to fix first. Once they were on the cusp of winning the Champions League and winning the league, that's the final piece of the jigsaw. Um, so, so yeah, look, I, I think if you can get party at the right price, I think you entertain it. But you have to be very, very confident it's the right thing. Um, and I know, you know, and I see people in there saying it's not your money, and 
you know, he's worth 70 million and that's fine. But like, you know, if he's worth 70 and he's available for 50, if we can't afford 50, it doesn't mean, you know, we still need to consider that. Right. Um, so I agree. And I think the other thing is the, uh, the mob on Twitter need to make up their mind what type of player he is. Because from what I understand, he's a very good ball progressor, good dribbler, nice passer, tidy defender. Um, doesn't do a lot in the final third. I've seen people call him a box-to-box. I've seen people call him a defensive midfielder. So you guys need to all get together and uh, figure out what you want to argue before you come and uh, start abusing everyone. Yeah, I think I did once put in a little private chat. I was like, we're going by what everyone's saying on Twitter. Is he the next John Obi Mikel? Because it's that kind of player that you've just described to me. Someone that plays further upfield for their national team than they do for their club side. And you say they shield the defence, but they also don't. So it's very, yeah, it's very odd, that kind of whole dynamic. And is that because it's just so multifaceted that makes it very difficult for us to envisage how you build a midfield out of the other players we've got Mm -hmm. available? Mm -hmm. with our coming in as well, is it our Partey and Jacker as a midfield? Well, it's interesting. It depends who goes, right? It's interesting. It's also interesting we stubbed Jacker yesterday. Um, and I'm just making things up here. But, you know, if someone came along with 30 to 40 mil for Jacker, who I like, Sabios, our party, is a very good midfield three. There's balance there. Um, now, I don't know if that's on the agenda. I'm just throwing that out there. I, no. I don't think Jacker, our party, works as well. Um, I think you need a bit more mobility in there, but it's an interesting question. Yeah, and I think it's one that could go on and on, but it's almost because we're getting so close to the transfer window. Let's have that decision. Slamming shut. Yeah, the other side of the weekend when we find out, well, if... Uh, uh, Alice lets us have our before Friday uh, or after Friday based on his comments earlier. But let's go with some more questions. Uh, Rich, who's playing with his balls at the moment, much to the delight of oh. the chat box. Sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry. I'll stop, I'll stop, I'll stop. It's no, all right. Uh, everybody's <clears throat> getting hypnotized by it. I'm kind of enjoying watching people talking about it as well. It's almost a um, stupid egg ball. <laughs> oh. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's there's lots of people arguing about um, you know what Partey plays in as a position, and a lot of other people having a separate conversation about is it a rugby ball in American football that Richard's playing with, and would Leno have dropped it by now? Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm not, not going to tell them. I'm going to let them uh, fight some more. Absolutely, and I'm going to use that as a loving segue and go in and say the question from Jay Arsenal was. Uh, is is he the only one that believes Leno will be the new boo boy in a month or two? And I'd probably argue he's already there because of how beloved Emmy Martinez, who was a VAR decision away from throwing one in the net. <laughs> <laughs> he knew there was a foul. He was just winding us up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I see. I, I do know what you mean. There was there was a lot of. Um... Uh, I, I saw various bits of uh, thing people longing for Martinez and stuff like that. I think, uh, you know, a little bit of that is recency bias. Uh, a little bit of that is the fact that, you know, the, the story of Martinez was so compelling. You know, the fact that he'd been with us for like, uh, was it almost 10 years? I don't know if he got past the 10 years, but like, he was, you know, 
due a testimonial you know he'd 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 come out of nowhere um really no one thought we he would do as well as he did um you know because people need to remember like leno was you know arguably one of our players of the season last year he was absolutely you know fantastic and yeah, I even I said it in the in the live show. He probably could have done a a, a little bit better for um uh, their uh, Mane's goal when um, he pushed out. He had a bit of soft hands and pushed out um uh, uh Salah's shot. But he also he also made some absolutely fantastic point blank saves in that game as well. Um, you know, uh, uh yeah, I, I see what there's a Julian Salmon is saying. Um, the problem is, is yeah. Leno's biggest weakness is Emmy's major strength. But I think, I think is he mm. is he referring to the way he would come out and and gather the ball and 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 catch the ball and be a bit more commanding. Yeah, I do I mean, see Emmy can reach the crossbar, which is helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do see the thing, but it's it was there was marginal difference between the uh, between the two. I don't think like Martinez was a clear. You know, um, a, a clear goal, a like better goalkeeper than Leno is. Um, we all absolutely bricked it when Leno uh, initially got in, injured against Brighton <laughs> because that because of how good he he was for us. Um, yeah, no, I, I say lay, lay off Leno, back him. Mm. You know, is it's. You know, unless Runison, whatever his name is, turns out to be an uh, Thor, you know, reincarnated or something. Um, yeah, no, we got back him. He's our number one. He he didn't become a terrible goalkeeper overnight. Yes, he has his flaws. Hopefully, he can he can work on them and get better. But it's it's not like he was, you know, he was Kepper and he was flopping at crosses left, right, and centre mm. and people make him, you know, bad puns about him being a vampire and afraid of crosses and stuff like that. Mm. He wasn't. He just had a very different technique and style of dealing with crosses than Martinez did. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping he doesn't become um, a, a boo boy because he's, he's, he's been, he's been decent for us. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I th- I think people really want to have strong opinions on this, but I completely agree. Um, and it's also a question of, you know, do we want a goalkeeper? What do we need right now? We need a goalkeeper who's good enough to get us into the top four. They're both good enough to get us into the top four. I don't think either of them are necessarily good enough to win us a title. Um, but look, Leno was one of our best players last season pre-injury. He was really good. That doesn't mean we can't sit there and say, I wish he was better at dealing with crosses. I wish he was more of a presence. I wish his distribution was a bit better and he could be better with his feet. In the same way, Emmy Martinez was great post-lockdown, but he's played 15 league games for Arsenal in his career and nothing he did at Wolves, Catafe or, or Reading suggested he was ready to play at the top in the Premier League. So, you know, when you get a £20 million offer, it was possible that we got the best eight games of Emmy's career and if we'd been Leno this season, we could have had a, a completely different Emmy Emmy this season. Uh, and who dropped one against Fulham. So, look, I don't, I don't think it mattered which one we sold. I did like what Emmy gave us. I think physically it was great, and I think he was really good on the ball. But I completely agree. Like Leno, Leno is is fine. He is not perfect. He is not Allison, and he's not Edison. But he doesn't need to be right now for where we are as a club. No, absolutely. And I'd I'd still put him up there as 
top three or four goalkeepers in the league. Um, I've got very, very strong opinions on the myth that is David De Gea as a mm. goalkeeper. And yeah, if you want a goalkeeper who can't command his box, just go to Man United, please, and watch what he does. But I think, as we say, he is a perfectly serviceable goalkeeper who is getting better. And I think he may be timid coming for crosses when you see him come back. But let's look at how he got the injury that saw him go out for four or five months. It was for coming for a high ball and he was caught by a midget underneath his legs. Um who may have come in and meant to do the damage that Leno received, but you get the same kind of contact at any kind of corner. And it may be a reason why Leno is a bit more timid, but you want at least your goalkeeper and the defence around to know that if Mm. Leno says to his defence, I'm not coming for any crosses, that's great. That is what you want to hit. You want someone to be decisive as a goalkeeper. And I'll come back to De Gea, why he was so good at Mar- under Mourinho. It's because they'd said to that defence, you're heading everything out of here. David's staying on his line. He's not coming out of there. He's just going to do the reflexes if you miss it and utilise the best part of his game. And we just need the same from Leno. If Leno's happy coming for crosses, then he should come for those crosses. If it's the indecision is what kills goalkeepers and mm. kills their careers. And that's the key thing that I don't think we saw necessarily from Martinez is he tended to be quite decisive with his actions. But again, we're talking about a guy who's only just come back from injury. Um, Whereas we've just hit the hour mark, uh, try and get through a few more questions. I think we need to get some typical ABW ones in there as well, because this is all too highbrow. Um, Sorry, JB. Uh, we've got to bring it back down to the normal. It's all right, level. don't worry. I can, so, I, I can lower the tone. I'm going. To, oh, which one should I go for first? Because Zoidberg's given us some great questions. I think I'm going to ask uh, you, JB. Uh, do you think there is life on other planets? Let's go existential. Wow. Um, I, I don't know if I can back up, back up what I'm about to say, but but yes, I do. Um, just because there's a lot of them, really. Uh, and it would be weird if there wasn't. Uh, I probably offended some people by saying this, but I just feel like we can't comprehend how many planets there are. Um, it'd be really funny if I was just like, had a PhD in like astrophysics or something and then just <laughs> reeled off some stats here. Um, but I don't. I just know there's a lot and it's a big number and therefore it's the probability would suggest there is. Um and who knows? It might be close. Didn't they find uh, gas on one of the planets in our solar system like a couple of weeks ago that suggested there was some kind of life form? I don't know. I feel like this is the wrong podcast for that. But, but yeah, there you go. Look at the versatility on this yeah. podcast. And just like any opinion on the internet, as long as you put it out there, someone has to find evidence to prove you wrong. Yeah, you can't disprove so, it. Fine. Exactly. So there's actually, if you go the other side of Neptune, right, the bit we can't see... There's just four guys having coffee on a on a just around a table. Um, prove me wrong. Yeah, exactly. And prove me wrong. Show me a picture. <laughs> uh, I've just seen Rich. Thunder Road's question. <laughs> Funny enough, it was uh, it was Little Richard. It was Little Little Rich. So yeah, thanks for that, oh, wow. Thunder Road. Yeah. So for anybody who is not watching YouTube, uh, Thunder Road has asked the question: um, Does 
Uh, well, basically, what nickname does <laughs> Rich's <laughs> Mrs. give Rich in general? Is he Little Richard after presumably the singer or Big oh, Dick posted after it again. someone else? Yeah, um, yeah I, I, we're just going to leave that one there. And that is yeah, no, it, I was level. I was Little Richard because the next door neighbor, his name is Richard as well, and he was about six foot four um so yeah he was he was big richard and i was little richard so yeah Tiny it's penis, got nothing though. to do with what's between my legs down the road <laughs> i know what you're getting at mate it's an american football isn't it from what we've seen <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Which we weren't saying <laughs> we're gonna keep it a secret <laughs> right uh i think there's one more question i think we'll go with uh and i've got to find it because it came from luca and i think it was on twitter as well and I've got to promote people giving us questions before the show actually starts. So, Rich, question for you. Actually, we can. Um, everybody can answer this. Screw it. It's the last one. YOLO. I'm, I'm hosting. I can do it. Calm down. Calm down. Exactly. I know, right? I'm going to be dizzy on sugar. Um, Rich, I'll start with you. From Luca, with five days left of the transfer window, do you go with apples or bananas on your breakfast oatmeal slash porridge? Or just the apples, unfortunately, because bananas are rank. Awesome. JB? I've been thrown by that. I, I didn't know people put apples in oatmeal. Um, <laughs> honey? That wasn't an option, but I want to go no. honey. Um, yeah, but you can't tell me what to eat. So if, if it was apples or bananas, I'm going bananas. But... Uh, Ber- do you know what uh, berries are good blueberries blueberries are great so so blueberries and honey that's what i'm going with blueberries and honey i don't like the texture of blueberries. i reject i reject the options i was given that's that's, that's what i've done enough. uh but i'm still going to push back and say blueberries have a really weird dense texture that i just can't can't get on board with um just use your teeth well, it's overrated i'm eating oatmeal for a reason uh, use, use a straw <laughs> use a straw but then saying that i was going to say apples because i also don't like bananas uh but strictly my porridge will be made with an alternative milk um due to dietary reasons not the glasses mustache combination that is my hipster look the problem the problem with apples is they're uh, very protective of their infrastructure that's so, true <laughs> that's just for you josh by the way that's literally perfect. it's I that's feel like tickled. that was up your street. It was very much up my street. However, I am doing this podcast on a, on a Mac with my iPad next to me and my iPhone on the other side. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm very much caught and knowingly caught by the Steve Jobs web, so you've to just speak. Been, you've just been called an Apple nonce. Um... Uh, yeah, Danny, <laughs> Danny does despise the fact that I use a Mac for all of these bits and pieces, but... You know what? I just prefer it, and viruses are overrated. Um, <laughs> I don't know. They've shut down the world, to be honest. That's true. So. Exactly. So if anybody needs a good reason to get a Mac, Corona. Um, but, right, let's wrap this up. Um, so we go through any shout-outs. Um, Rich, do you have any shout-outs? For- um, I did similar shout-out to what I norm- normally say. Um the Evolve Development Centre in West London. 
Uh, if any of you guys listening or watching or know anybody in like the uh, Ealing, Greenford, Hamwell, that, you know, West London area, and it's got a, a, a girl who wants to start playing football, you know, just uh, do a Facebook search or a web search for the Evolved Development Centre. Um, we, we train girls from five up to 16. You know, we're affiliated with, um, with uh, Hamwell Town which is our, our, our local club. And we're also sister club of Arsenal women as well. Um, so yeah, everybody's, um, we're, we're looking for new players and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, bring, bring them all down. Perfect. That's a great shout out as well. Uh, JB, do you have a shout out just to anybody in general? They could be listening to this podcast. They could be fictional, whatever. Shout out. I wasn't, um, I wasn't expecting this. Um, so I didn't prep anything. So shout out to all the listeners. Um, to quote Rick Ross, shout out to all the pair. Um, and shout out to my flatmate who's had to be quiet for an hour and a half. He said to me before, he said, I'm going to go sit in the bath. I don't know if he's put water in, but um, shout out to him for, for, you know, getting out of the way for the last hour. So, yeah. So I'll you. make sure I'll make sure I wrap this up swiftly enough so he doesn't go and start grabbing the toaster to join him in the bath Bet as well. He's turned into a full-on prune by now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will quickly give a shout out to um, James Rouse Stokes of uh, Twitter fame of Exgoonosphere. Purely, he won't know this is coming because I saw one tweet he gave and he sent over to Jock uh, from Toast of London. It was a little screenshot of there and it just reminded me that I've got to watch Toast of London again because it's a great show and I forgot how much I may look like a character from that show as a Z list actor, um, like Ray bloody purchase and co. Um, but yeah, that wraps up the show. I'll quickly do a bit of, um, housekeeping say previous show, Danny and Chris sat down and spoke to coffee aficionado and ex goalkeeper of Arsenal, Rami Shaban. And but Bastuma hating Rami Shaban. I still don't know what Bastuma was based on his I response. I was heartbroken. It's, it's like a, a dried cure meat, a breakfast meat thing that you have with eggs. I was, I was heartbroken. I was amazed that he, that Chris pronounced it uh, perfectly though. It was, uh, I was impressed with that, but um, wow. yeah, heartbroken. I, Do you have to have it with eggs? Is that are there other options? It, it's it's the law in Egypt. Otherwise, you'll be shunned and sent to Coventry. Got it. It's great for your great for your keto diet. Uh, I think that breakfast. Uh, if I've got keto diets right, I think that's the one where you're not allowed. Yeah, to you've have. done well. You've done well. There we go. I am high down fat. With the kids. High fat. High fat, and yeah, I, I can do anything that's an alternative milk substance. That's about as far as my hipster diets go. Mm. Um, oh, so, yeah. shout out for oat milk. Oh, oat milk. I'm a hemp milk person, to be fair. I think this is a conversation we need to take offline rather than on a podcast. But uh, I can put, if anybody does have a milk, an alternative milk of choice, put it in the chat box and we will pick them up after, just just as a little straw poll. Um, Next show, so we'll be doing a live show after the Liverpool game. I put a time in, I can't remember if that's the kickoff of the game or the kickoff of the live show. I think half nine will probably be the kickoff of the show i'm assuming we kick off at eight o'clock again or 7 45 it's one of the two for the second leg of liverpool uh this time in the carabao cup and then we will also be live again 
doing uh, ABW Live after Sheffield United. Uh, that would be me and, as I say, one other. I don't know who it is yet. It might be Corey. It might be John Welsh. It might just be me on my own. Who knows? Uh, if the game's really rubbish and boring, it'll just be me telling you exactly what the result was, the goal scorers, and then logging off. Um, <laughs> podcast, again, I don't know who's going to be on the pod next week. Uh, I did have an idea of who it might be, but Danny hasn't answered it properly. Um, but yeah, we'll keep it as a secret, basically. And so, yeah, I would like to say thank you very much, Rich. You almost have to be here, but don't have to be here. No, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thoroughly so, enjoyed it. And big thank you to uh, you, JB. Uh, everybody can find you on Twitter at uh, Gunnapunna, I believe. Uh, I say I believe, I know. Uh, <laughs> Correct. But yeah. Correct. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Um, hope, you know, hopefully it's not the last time. Once you guys have all recovered, I'm, I'll be back. Maybe. Absolutely. And if you can bring Rich is shaking his head. Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah if, if you being on the show is what brings fk back to us um then yeah it's it, absolutely a pleasure uh, I, I believe that, about fk as well i believe the time is gargantuan i believe yes, i believe <laughs> absolutely but right uh that is the end of the show thank you very much everybody who has joined us live uh, if you haven't managed to join us live you can always make sure you give us like a re review on whatever platform you're listening to us on, uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube as well. Click the little bell notification icon thingy. And when we do know when we're actually going live after games, you'll get a notification. You can come straight back in and join us for all the fun. So the only final thing I have to say is Danny switch the shit off. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down dog. <laughs>